Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Fish Untamed Podcast, your home for fly fishing the backcountry. This is episode 75 with Rehan Nana on sleeper states and backcountry emergency devices. Cool. So just, just to start so we could at least get a baseline in there. Um, <laughs> Normally when I'm talking to somebody from a company about a product, it's it's often not in an actual fisherman. It's somebody who has like a tangential relationship to fishermen. So I was really excited to hear that uh, you are also passionate about fishing. So we're going to get into how you got uh, your start at Garmin, but I do want to start by hearing how you got into fly fishing in the first place. Okay. Uh, well, I do, I do want to preface when I saw your email come through about like, you, you know, I'm not in the Marine. I'm actually in outdoor, which are two separate kind of divisions. But I saw that email come through and I told the Marine people, I was like, no, 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 no. I want to take this one because I don't get to talk about fly fishing often. So, um, yeah, my name is Ray Hanana. You know, I work at Garmin. I work in media relations and, um, so I get to talk about our, our products specifically kind of, um, as it applies to outdoor products, um, but outdoors has always kind of been my passion. And to answer your question, like so many young, impressionable people, um, I saw a river runs through it uh, in theaters. And I was actually thinking about it um, in preparation for this this uh, podcast. It was, I was so scared. I remember um, when they were shooting the shoots and I went and saw it with my grandmother. I must've been like five or six years old. And she had this draw, like this really thick Southern draw. And she's like, Rayhan the main character cannot die in the first 10 minutes. And I've always remembered that from that. But, um, you know, I was even before that I was into fishing. And then like, there was something about um, 
fly rods specifically. Like I couldn't, you know, I was young, couldn't afford a fly rod. And my parents, you know, the only ones that I really knew were there was a, there were two shops here in Kansas City. There was K&K Fly Fishermen. And then at the time, Eddie Bauer, the store Eddie Bauer had a fly fishing shop. And I just remember something looking at the fly rods. And even to this day, like there's something like so beautiful and something that I can't describe about why I love them so much. But I always just had this like innate draw to it. And I wanted a fly rod to start fly fishing, um, but, you know, I wasn't, you know, the only thing with, you know, Winston's or something, you weren't going to get a kid. But my parents somehow found, like, one of those starter kits, um, you know, $30 starter kits with reel and a couple of popper flies. And I got that under the tree for Christmas. And I will forever remember that. And I made my mother drive me out to the closest lake. It was frozen over and I was sitting there on Christmas day, uh, fly fishing. And then ever since then, um, Missouri actually, most people, a lot of people don't know this. Missouri actually has like a really great fishery, a trout fishery. Um, because there's what, what it has is the Ozark mountain range, which is essentially the Ozark plateau, which gives like these really beautiful, like spring fed creeks, and there really wasn't like a, obviously a, a natural population. Like at some point, all of those were stocked and there's actually a pretty large trout fishing culture within um, kind of the park system that the Missouri Department of Conservation puts on. And so like there are parks where it's like kind of, you know, stocked, but then the fish have been a naturally kind of reproducing fish. And like, there's so many beautiful rivers down here, um, the Jack's Fork, the Current, the Niangua the North Fork. I mean, the White, uh, the White River runs the border down there. Um, and the, the type of fishing is really unique. It's, I wrote a, a story. It's not really accurate one time, but it, like, it, it was called a yeehaw approach to fly fishing because it's in this really interesting culture, cultural area of Southern Missouri, Northern Arkansas. Um, and it's really the, the rivers down there, there's a variety of different rivers. And like, I used to live out in Colorado. So I fished all through there, you know, even up into Utah. And then I lived out in the Driftless area and fished there. And there's something about Missouri that the rivers here are really quite beautiful. And the other thing that a lot of people don't really know or think about is that like, the eventuality that the world record brown trout is going to come out of southern Missouri is very, very likely. There's really? A oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a tailwater um, down there called Lake Tenicomo, and it, it's, a, it's not really a lake. It's, it, you know, it's a tailwater fishery, but it's a pretty big body of water. And I think it was in 2019, one of the guys, Babbler, caught a 40-pound brown down there. Um, I think like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they actually found a dead world record. It was like a 44. And so like, I'm just like, I count the days until essentially, and hopefully it's still true that fishery is changing, but you know, I, I want people to know about Missouri as a fishery, but it's like, that's going to shake the world when the world record brown <laughs> trout comes out of like this sleepy little town in Southern yeah. Missouri. Um, but it, it's pretty cool. And so Ever since then, I always was into fishing, and I, I still am. And, and sadly, I don't, you know, I don't fly fish as much as I used to. Um, but whenever I like talk to people about it, you know, I always say, you know, fly fishing for me is like it's like an old friend. You know, you can you always know you can pick up that phone and and go out there. But I still 
uh, probably three, four times a year I make a trip. It's not being in Kansas City, the closest rivers are probably three and then, you know, four or five, depending hours away. Um, and you know, I've got a little six month old little girl now and, you know, bird dogs and stuff like that. So I don't get to as much as I, I, I used to, but I, I do love it. And there's something that's still just not to like wax poetic, but it's just like, there's something still, like I said, to this day, that's still magical about it. I don't remember who I was talking to recently. Um, I think it was one of the, the SoFly crew guys and he talked about how he got invited down to Indiana to go fishing and was like pleasantly surprised or, or maybe he didn't go, but um, someone invited him down and he was just like, wow, you don't, you don't think about some of these States that have like a really incredible um, fishery. And then you, you go there and you're like blown away. And I think we were joking about how, you know, I, I don't, I'm happy living in Colorado. We've got great opportunities here, but sometimes I wish I lived in like a sleeper state where <laughs> people, like millions of people, weren't coming to, to live oh. and to visit and to fly fish. Um, just because then I wouldn't have to worry about going out and like finding a place that other people aren't already fishing. So that that sounds kind of nice to to have a little bit of a sleeper state where where you're not being overrun by people. Yeah, it's you know it is nice, and I mean like, and that's not to say that nobody fly fishes here. Actually, it does have a really healthy fly fishing um, culture, but it's just one of those things where most people don't think about it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, there's other places where it's like, you know, kind of the driftless area, like Southeast Minnesota, where it's like, not a whole lot of people are are like, uh, as a destination place, but it is still like, it's just fun to fish those things, like walking through, like, you know, essentially a pasture in a lot of those places and you're getting into it. And they also have some other really cool, you know, terrain type fishing on that side. And in regard to like, you know, Colorado, it's interesting you say that because it's like I, so I went to school out there for the fishing and it's like, I remember, and I won't, I won't mention the specific, you know, Creek river, but it's like, I used to skip class in the afternoon and bomb out to, um, a relatively close place, um, and fish because it was, it was small water and small fish and nobody, there were so many great rivers around there that nobody really fished it. And so it's like, you know, never would I see anybody out there, but that was like, I want to say, God, that's got to be coming on 14 years. That's quite a while. And like, I went back two years ago to that river and it was like, it was just like shoulder to shoulder. I couldn't believe it. It was just so many people. And it really kind of rang true where it's like, A, you can never go home and B, you never step in the same river twice, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. I've gotten very, very comfortable. Um, getting excited about smaller fish and smaller rivers just because I, w- I would take that and not see another person um, over like big fish, but shoulder to shoulder any, any day. And because there, we do have a number of rivers here that you can catch really big fish, but I don't feel like fighting people for a spot um, right. that I just have written a lot of them off and I just don't, don't go there anymore. Uh, and so I've, I've gotten comfortable just being like, look, I'm, I'm not going to catch anything bigger than 14 inches today, but that's fine. I've already accepted yeah. that before I go. And now I can just enjoy myself and I don't have to to be shoulder to shoulder with people. I don't have to look for a parking spot. I can just roll up, fish for an hour or two, not see anybody and leave. And it's great. Like now that I've just accepted that. Yeah. <laughs> that's 100%. what you got to look for. Well, and the other thing, like one of the things that I really did, um, what we don't have down here are brown, or excuse me, our brook trout. And it's like, mm. I, you know, it's like, I still think in Colorado, I did get out uh, probably two years ago and did some kind of higher country brook trout fishing. And that, I think that's still an opportunity like there's still a lot of rivers there, creeks that you can do that. And I think that's totally correct where it's like, if you, 
you know, it's either, you know, bigger, I mean, obviously for me, well, not obviously, but for me, like the ideal is big water, small, or big fish, small water. Um, but obviously that's a rarity. And if you're going into it saying, Hey, listen, I know what I'm fishing here and I know what I'm getting into. And you're kind of saying, I want to work on these technical aspects. I need to improve on this, this, and this and go into it and just kind of enjoy it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's, you can, a, learn a lot, but then B, just enjoy the experience so much with it. Um, but yeah, that we don't have brook trout here. I do really wish that were the case. But I, I was going to ask, what what else do you have? You mentioned the giant brown trout, but I assume you probably have a decent warm water fishery too, which is something that I feel yeah. like we kind of lack here. There, there yeah. is some down in the Denver area, but um, not the same way that there is in the Midwest for sure or the East Coast. So what, what other species do you have to target? Yeah, so um, you can really do, I mean... Obviously, fly fishing, you can really do anything you'd want. Um, if you're not kind of down in the Ozark range, like the bass fishing, uh, the largemouth bass fishing up around here is really great. Uh, obviously, pan fishing, uh, kind of light, uh, light tackle is great as well. Um, really kind of a, uh, really a fish that people, like, have you ever fished smallies? Mm-hmm. That's what I grew yeah. up with. Yeah. So it's like, I remember the first time I caught a smallie. And I was like, this is it. I finally, I got my 30 inch trout here that I've always been looking for. And it turned out to be an 18 inch smallie. And I was like, my God, like, what have I been missing this whole time? Like, you know, so with that, um, the, the smallie is a native down here and it actually is, uh, the fishery for smallies is really great. And people fish that on the fly as well. Um, and what's kind of cool is like, there are some rivers where, um, you know, the spring will feed and you'll have trout in certain sections and then it blends into smallies. So it's like, if you do a proper drift, you can get that, uh, get that going. Awesome. So yeah, it, it is really cool. And, and like I said, it's always just kind of that Southern Missouri side of it is just kind of a, it is interesting. And like, and like I said, check out like, you know, the Jack's Fork, the North Fork, you know, the white runs into Arkansas um, and all of those ones. I mean, those ones, they're like a lot of people would say like they're comparable to, like I, I had a good friend that he was actually a Montana guy for a while and then he moved here and he was like, man, I'd put some of these rivers up against Montana rivers any day. Um, and one of the things too, there's, it's, it's different, but it's, it is really cool. Yeah. I think since starting this show, I've added about 10 locations that I would have never thought of for fishing <laughs> onto my list of, okay, if I, if I end up there, like if I'm going to, it's not unlikely that I'd end up in a lot of these places for a wedding or something um, where you just find yourself in a place and normally you, it wouldn't even cross your mind to like, maybe yeah. I should pack a rod. But um, now I've got all these places listed like, yeah, next time I find myself there, I should uh, I should do a little searching around and see if I can get out for a day. Because um, yeah, like we were saying, it's just these sleeper states and then you go out and you're just like blown away by what is actually offered there. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing. And, and like I said, my, kind of background me as well as hunting and, and bird hunt, upland hunting and other hunting. But I kind of think it's true. I mean, it's with both of those. When you are putting yourself in places and trains and areas that you're not familiar with, that's, I think, you're really improving your skill set. Um, and it's kind of like, I, I always had this theory, and I don't know if it's right or not. Maybe I'm just kind of a crackpot, but it's like, you can kind of tell where people grew up fishing based on their cast a lot of times. And like here, you know, it's a lot of the rivers, it's a lot of overgrowth. So you're having to do really kind of tighter technical casting as opposed to bigger, longer casting with more open, you know, open casting styles. Mm -hmm. And so within that, I think that you kind of learn 
you you adjust and you adapt to that type of stuff as well when you're when you're trying new places. But again, that's just kind of my theory that I don't know. I've never never really run it past too many people. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a, an argument for uh, like getting outside your comfort zone because I I'm sure you're right that there's people who can only like cast sixty feet at a time and are really uncomfortable trying to just like dap a fly on the water. And there's other people who probably can't even do a false cast because they've never had to. And like roll casting is all they're they're able to do. Um, and I think kind of putting yourself in diverse situations to to force yourself into trying new techniques, um, it like it, it would make you a better a, a more well-rounded angler by doing yeah. that. Yeah, and please talk to somebody who's way better at fly fishing than me on that one. <laughs> I, I mean, thought like, you were here to give us all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, not at all whatsoever. But um, what answers I can give you, I will, I will give you on that side. Well, Just, I'm guessing... Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's like, how is... I mean, like you mentioned it's like shoulder to shoulder. Like without giving up spots, like... Oh, actually, I do have a question for you. I haven't fished... Like one of the rivers I fished forever was the Thompson. Like, and I haven't been out there... And that place just holds like a kind of a special place for me. Like, how is it fishing now? When you say the Thompson, do you mean the Big Thompson in Colorado? Yeah, the Big T. Yeah. Um, I have not fished it in probably five years. Um, okay. So I don't know. I, I feel like I'd be giving you a, a wrong answer if I told you. Uh, but I used to fish it. That was actually probably the first river I ever fished. Uh, yeah. Fly, fly fished. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, I got my start fly fishing up in Estes Park. So that's... I started on a bunch of lakes up there, and then once I got comfortable with rivers, that's where I was. Um, and I remember it. I, it's hard because I, I remember it from when I was getting started. So I would get frustrated yeah. on it a lot, but I'm guessing that uh, today I would do a lot better than I did like when I first started fishing it. Um, but no, I can't honestly tell you how, how it's been fishing since I haven't been up there. Okay. I uh, I was there. So back when I was in, I fished that river a lot, um, but I actually happened to be there when the massive floods were there. Um, and that was probably seven, I don't know how far back it, it was. was 2013. 2013. Yeah. yeah. That, that sounds about right. Um, time passes, doesn't it? Um, and I just have always kind of like, I haven't gotten back to fish it. So it's like, just tell me it's fishing fantastic. And it's back to like where it once was, I guess is what I tell you. Uh, I still have a bunch of friends who, um, work up there over the summer and I, I haven't heard anything negative, uh, regarding the Perfect. floods since then. So I, I think it's probably, uh, at least recovering decently well um i will say i remember seeing it so i was i was up there uh in the years surrounding that flood but i took a year off um because i was studying abroad uh during that summer or the i think it happened in the fall but um i was gone that year and i remember seeing a photo from someone after those floods fishing right below the dam and they caught like a 30 inch brown trout oh. um right below the dam and i don't i don't remember how uh it was speculated that it got there like maybe it got washed in from the reservoir or, or what but it was it was like right after yeah. the floods hit like weeks yeah. after the floods hit uh, a huge brown trout was pulled out right below the dam awesome so. yeah that's stretched <laughs> right below the dam so it's good yeah well so there's that yeah. that that fish might still be out there somewhere <laughs> you know god willing the creek don't rise i guess right <laughs> <laughs> did you do uh did you do your fishing up in the the meadows up up in the park or were you more down in the canyon no, I fished in the park a few times, but it was kind of more down in the canyon. Okay, um, that's what I assumed when you said it for some reason, but I, I was thinking back, and actually I have seen uh, quite a few nice pictures from up in the meadows uh, yeah. recently. So I know that section is at least fishing pretty well. Yeah, no, it was pretty much just down in the canyon. Um, snuck a, yeah, but I don't know. Like I said, it's yeah, everybody has a river that they just like thinking about when things get slow. You know? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I can see but, that one being a good one to look back on. 
I do in I guess like one of the looking back on one of them, I remember I was fishing um, uh, the green one time, and this I guess this will describe the fishing in Missouri where my buddy and I it was just like gale force winds. We picked the wrong time to go. It was like gale force winds and freezing and cold, and we actually had to shelter under like an enclave. And I was sitting there just like chattering. I just looked at my buddy and I was like, Mark, I just wish I were back in the Ozarks on a lazy, lazy <laughs> Missouri stream with the sun beating down on me right now. But so. That's well, that. yeah, you can't have the uh, the peaks of the valleys, right? Yeah, so. Right. right. <laughs> well, uh, I, I think we could probably talk about fishing for the next hour or so. Do but, you want um, to? I'd be <laughs> I, I would. Uh, but actually, the reason I had you on is that um, you work for Garmin. And I've been thinking about trying to find somebody to come on to talk about uh, – just satellite devices in general, because I, I went far too long, I would say, uh, going into the backcountry, often by myself, not in cell phone service, um, probably making stupid decisions that could have gotten me stuck out there uh, without or before I started carrying something that could actually save my life if needed. Um, so I was like, maybe this would be a good topic for other people to consider as well if they're making the same stupid decisions I was. Um, so you're mostly here to talk about uh, Garmin products, I think specifically the inReach in regards to backcountry safety. And um, I guess a good place to start would just be, how did you go, um, or how did you get hooked up with Garmin? Because you said um, before we started that you had had a background in conservation, like hunting conservation yeah. organization. So uh, how did you get hooked up with Garmin? Yeah, so my background, kind of mentioned, it's always been the outdoors. And um, I worked for... I started in conservation in an organization called Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, which is a, a, a you know grasslands conservation organization. Um, and actually, what's really funny, I think they were not funny, but interesting, is the streamside buffers that a lot of what they do um, acts in, I think is used in, in trout areas now because the, the native grasses there act as such great filtration systems that it really cleans up waterways. Um, but so I worked for them for a few years doing PR, um, and then I kind of made it back home, uh, to Missouri and I worked in, uh, the capital of Missouri for an organization, nonprofit organization called the Conservation Federation of Missouri. And that was just to kind of educate people. Missouri is a really unique conservation state, um, uh, apolitical conservation system and dedicated funding. And so the, the natural resources here are really, really, um, robust and the department really takes care of them. Um, and so it was really educating people on what Missouri has to offer, which is why I always like singing the, the, you know, Missouri's praises. Um, but during kind of that whole time, um, I ran dogs and I got into it because of the, the dog tracking with my, I've got an Irish setter, um, named Annie. And it was always one of those things where, um, especially when in an upland hunting, you really have to have, um, complete faith in, in, in what you're using. And I always used Garmin on that stuff. And so I guess I, I just kind of bugged them enough uh, that eventually they gave me a job and I'm really fortunate that I get to talk about the products that I love. Um, and so with that, when you look at Garmin, like it was founded actually here in Kansas city, um, you know, in 89, I believe. Um, and a fun fact, it was Gary Burrell and then Men Cow were the two founders and that's how you get the name Garmin. It's the combination oh. of their two front first names. Yeah. Um, and in regard to satellite communication devices, um, I actually didn't use those prior to Garmin. Um, but once I really started here and I started using them, I like yourself, like I was just like, my goodness, like, I don't know why I didn't start this 
years ago because I think that like in, in for listeners what we're talking about with the satellite communication devices um, Garmin has a series of products called inReach um, and what it is is it's a two-way SMS SOS device uh, so text and emergency communication um, that operates on something called the Iridium satellite service and the Iridium satellite service is, is different than like your cell you know cell service and so when you don't have cell phone coverage um, it has that ability to, to you can keep in contact with people um, through text messages and a lot of other feature you know features fun- functionality within it but just for the moment say you know text communication two-way and then SOS and one of the things like I always kind of tell people is like I remember went back when I like you know going out by myself like when I was younger, I would leave a note on the kitchen table and say, Hey, you know, uh, I'm going here. Uh, I should be back by Sunday at seven, you know, 7 PM. If you don't hear from me by nine, call my brother and the police. Like that's what we used to have to do. And by the nature of, of the outdoors, you know, if you look at anything that we do in the outdoors, there's an inherent danger with it. And especially like, like thinking about this podcast, like I think about all the dumb things that I did, like even fly fishing, you know, like I was notorious, like my buddies always made funny. I was notorious for always like slipping and like falling on rocks and falling in the river. And it's like, you know, I used to do a lot of winter fishing back when I was in Colorado. Like when my buddies would go skiing, I'd be like, Hey, just drop me off here and pick me back up in seven hours and you'd go out. And it's like the inherent danger and not to be, you know, that, but it's something I, I think about now. Um, with everything that we do outdoors is present. And the thing that I've really learned is that nobody wakes up in the morning thinking that they're going to have an emergency in the afternoon. Um, and that's why inReach is so critical, um, I think, to, to really have with you. Um, from the emergency and in, in to like getting back to the, the, the texting and the SOS functionality, um, on every one of a Every one of the Garmin inReach devices, there's a little button that it's got a housing and you can open it up. And should you have an emergency, um, you can hit that button and it sends out um, a message to something called the Garmin International Emergency Response Coordination Center. And when that happens, that message, um, they'll send a message to you. Um, but what they do is they work with local authorities around the world um, to, to kind of say, you know, if there's an emergency in this area, you know, you're the person to get to and, and to get those individuals. So if you hit that button, um, let's say you, you fall and you break your leg, um, you can hit that button. Uh, the IRCC will communicate with you, you know, what's your emergency. Um, and if you're not able to respond, I should also say where they will enact after, you know, 30 seconds, the, the message gets sent and they will interact. But if you cannot uh, interact with them via message, they will proceed with the, um, the next stages of that of, hey, we need, we need to coordinate here. And then they will coordinate with you, the, whatever the local authority may be to kind of coordinate a, a, you know, assistance. And then they will also coordinate with the emergency contacts that you have. Um, within that device, stored within the device. Um, and so that way, there's a kind of a three-point system to make sure that you're getting assistance when you need it. Um, and I feel like I just rambled quite a bit, so I'm going to stop and pause and say, <laughs> hey, do you have any questions? <laughs> no, that's fine. I, and I think we'll yeah. get, we'll probably end up covering that a, a little bit again, because um, I kind of want to go through 
later a, a step by step of like what happens when you when you have an emergency. But um, I think it's important something that you kind of touched on there, just backing up a little bit um, about how you you don't wake up thinking that you're going to have an emergency later that day. And emergencies could happen anywhere. Like you could be driving to get your hair cut and you have an emergency. But I think something that's a little bit different. Um, just in the backcountry, besides lack of cell phone service, but the the odds that someone's just going to come across you are are just so much lower. Like I'm not that worried if I get a flat tire on the way to you know the grocery store. Like someone's going to pass by, and if I don't, if yeah. I can't help myself, then someone can help me. Um, and when you're when you're out, let's say fishing, I think a lot of people think you know this isn't. Uh, there's there's a lot of people that like turn fly fishing into like an extreme sport. And don't get me wrong, I like I like pushing myself and trying to get way far out there and um, make it kind of a physical endeavor as well. But at the end of the day, I mean, fly fishing is kind of mild compared to a lot of outdoor sports. Um, but it could just be something as simple as like you slip and fall and break your leg, like that. Right. It, it could it could be something really really minor in the grand scheme of things, but just that prevents you from telling somebody and getting out. Yeah, so I mean, in, we talk about emergencies in, in different capacities, but in, in relationship to the Garmin inReach, um, but you're correct where it may not be as extreme as other things, but it's like, it's still, you, you still do have that element of danger of like, especially if you're out by yourself. Um, I used to fish a lot just by myself, and it's like, if you, if you don't have anybody else there in your backcountry, it's like, who, like I said, who's going to come and get you on that side? Um, so I don't know what's going on, but I hear like a, yeah, bunch of- give me, that's uh my, that's my daughter. Can you give me one? Yeah, second? no problem. All right. I'll be right back. So sorry about that. No problem. <laughs> what was she doing? Chopping down a tree or what? She had, it sounds like it doesn't know. She had a little rattle and so oh. she's banging it on her, on the floor. But anyways, um, yeah, no. So it, there's the emergency aspect of it too, but you know, most times people aren't going to press that button, you know, hopefully you never have to press that button. Um, and that's, what's so great about inReach as well is that it's a communication device where it's just to be able to like, and it's two way communication device. So it's just to be able to reach out and say, Hey, going to be home a little late. Uh, so people at home, don't worry. Um, you know, after a long kind of, if you are in the back country and you're, you know, spending a few days there, like a f- <laughs> being able to like, sit in your tent in a sleeping bag after like a cold long day it's like being able to reach out to home and just say hey like tell the kids good night or like you know th- those are those things where i kind of think there's you know in, in especially when it comes to things like fly fishing where there are two types of technology i think in the outdoors there's technology that hampers an outdoor experience and there's technology that enhances an outdoor experience so it's like the example i, I give it's like if, if you know my nephew's on a on his phone playing games while we're out hunting or what have you, that's technology hampering outdoor experience. But technology like inReach that allows you to stay safer and stay in contact with people you, you care about, that's enhancing that, that outdoor experience. And so that's why, like I said, there's the emergency side of it, but there's also just like the ability to like, we have that technology now to be able to stay in contact even when you're in the middle of nowhere. It's like, I like to say, it's like, take your friends and family with you, even when you're alone, you know, and what's really cool, there's, you can set it up that, and there's, I think of it as a dual purpose where you can set up tracking on it, um, on inReach devices. So you can share and you can share where your location is and people can actually watch you, um, like on a map where you're going and stuff like that. 
And that's nice because there's the reassurance and people get to, you know, people back home get to follow along with you. But then there's also that side of it that if you're moving, you're supposed to be moving. Great. Um, but if you're not moving and you're supposed to be moving, people can reach out to you and say, Hey, you know, is everything all right? Are you doing okay? Or do you need help? And you can just send a quick message back. Yep. Doing great. Sorry. Just eating lunch right now. Um, and then the other thing too, that a lot of people don't think about with the, that is everything can be fine when you're in the backcountry and you can be fine. But if somebody back home needs to get a hold of you uh, in an emergency situation or just because and you don't have cell service, like that can create real problems. And so, like I said, it's people can reach out to you as well. Um, so there's just a, there's a lot to it uh, from the communication side of it. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm really glad you brought this up because this, I think, is something that often gets overlooked with with devices like this because I think people think of them as an SOS device. And at the end of the day, I'm trying to do, even, even owning one myself, I'm doing everything in my power to not press that button, even if I'm right. in a terrible situation. Like, right. I, I would call, I would call a friend or my partner and say, hey, like, I can't walk. Come come bring me some crutches and we're getting out of here. Like, before I would press that SOS button, assuming right. that my life isn't in danger. Um, and like you said, just being able to communicate, even if it's just like, hey, I'm fine, good night. Uh, I I like what you mentioned about hampering uh, versus enhancing an outdoor experience. Because I, I was talking to somebody else about this recently that... Uh, I, I like being out of cell phone service. It's fun to feel like you're disconnected, to not feel the need to like check your email and constantly be um, like on on the grid. But I like the the ability to contact someone if needed, and yeah. the the contact like the so or the SMS contact via the inReach is slow enough that you don't find yourself like glued to it. There's not like a, oh I'm going to have like a back and forth conversation for an hour with somebody uh, and we're just going to talk about whatever because. The messages are, are they're, even with the Bluetooth app, they're difficult enough to type out. You're limited in characters. They take a while to send. It's, it's not something that you just like hang out and do. You, you kind of, you, you want to have a reason to send something. Um, so it doesn't really distract you in the same way that having the ability to text somebody with full cell phone service does, where you might just start sending casual text messages and kind of get lost in your phone. Um, it, it makes it a little bit more deliberate, I think, when you contact somebody, uh, which is like the yeah. perfect amount of communication. Yeah, and that's that's a really good way to, to kind of describe it. Um, actually, I, I really like that. And and with that, and by the way, for people who are unfamiliar it's with the inReach devices, you can pair them into your cell phone as well, and you can use um, 
media apps that are provided. So, um, you know, the Earth Mater Explorer app and actually use your, your cell phone to type messages and stuff like that. And then it tethers back to your inReach device um, and then sends the message. Um, and, you know, the message, the message of the lay, obviously that we're trying to get that as short as possible. And it, it does take a little bit longer than just like an instant cell phone, but it's relatively, you know what I mean? Still quick enough, but to hit your point. Yeah. That, that is a kind of a, a nice thing with it. The other, the other side of it, or no, or just another part of it is I've gotten, I've never had to hit the button. Um, but I've, I've gotten myself into situations that weren't good and they were unexpected and unplanned. Um, and I remember in one instance thinking, you know, I, in, I don't need to hit that button and I don't need to reach out to anybody at the moment. But there's a certain comfort fact to, to say when you're in a situation that, that is not good, you need to deal with problem one, two, and three, right? And so for, you know, for me, it's like, Knowing that I've got that SOS and knowing that I can reach out to people if I need it allows me to focus more on something at hand, the immediacy at hand. Um, like remaining so there, calm there is going to be yeah, valuable. That's exactly what it is, is to be able to work through uh, different problems in a given situation. Now, that said, you know, one of the things that we always say is if you if you need to hit that button, don't wait. You know what I mean? It's easier to, to stop you know, emergency services than to, to theoretically start it. And one of the things is we just don't want people to wait too long for that um, because it can, you know, how far you're in the back country, what's the closest locate, like major city where, you know, those things all, there's a whole bunch of different variables that go into it. Um, so if you do find yourself using an inReach and you, you feel you need to hit that button, don't wait, you know, um, you can communicate with people on that side. What, what other features, um, and like, this is kind of a, rhetorical question for myself because like I I know what I've used it for but like <laughs> tell me what other features um, the inReach has because so far we've talked about texting and SOS and I think we'll kind of wrap up with SOS and how that works since that's kind of the bread and butter of it but um, like I know I've also gotten weather alerts and things like that so what other functionality does it have and and also maybe just cover the difference between the inReach and the inReach mini because I've only had experience with the mini so I, I only oh. know what functionality that has and I'm not sure what the the full inReach can do. Yeah. So um, first, let's like kind of talk about a little bit about some of the different some of the different units that we got. Um, there's the uh, Garmin Explore Plus. That's um, one of the older ones. Then, and I think it was 2018, the InReach Mini came out. And for fly, you know, for fly fishing, um, I think that's a fan. That's one of my favorite units. So we actually just came out with the InReach Mini Two here um, about a month and a half oh, ago. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 And. For listeners, the InReach Mini, it, it truly is a mini device. Uh, it's a palm size, you know, I think it's, uh, geez, about a few. It's just like, I'm, I'm messing up. Give me one second. Um, 3.5 ounces, and it's just under four inches um, and by two inches. Um, so it's something you can clip on your pack and just go super, super uh, simple, light, fast, far. Um, and so the Mini was launched in 2018. There's the Garmin GPS Map 66i, uh, which is a little bit larger. It was, you know, the GPS Map series was Garmin's kind of flagship uh, handheld, um, you know, GPS unit, and then it it incorporated the inReach technology. So that one's got more robust mapping in it, um, you know, and other features on that side. 
There's the Montana series, which is the Montana 700 and 750i, which is a larger one that um, people use for ATV, UTV, but still can be used as kind of a handheld navigator. Um, and then, like I said, the InReach Mini 2. So those are kind of some of the other ones. And for people um, who are thinking about getting an InReach, uh, I would really kind of recommend checking out the InReach Mini 2. Um, so in addition to on that one, uh, since you don't, well, what I'll say with that one is, is actually there have been, it, while that doesn't have the robust mapping on device like you'd find in a, a, a 66i or a Montana, um, there are new navigation features put into it. Uh, one of them that I really like is, and is it has a passive trackback to it. Um, so from the moment you turn that device on, it is passively storing your route. And then should you ever need to get back to the trailhead or, or get your way back out, you can actually just hit the track back and it will guide you on screen. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's really nice. I've always loved the track back feature um, with that one. And the battery life on that one is uh, it's two weeks now in 10 minute track mode. Right. So, oh, wow. Just, yeah, I know. So it's. I think that's tripling from the original mini uh, or, or thereabouts. And also just another interesting thing for people is that GPS is, is a, you can customize your track inter interval. So, um, but the default is a 10 minute track. So every 10 minutes it's tracking, uh, dropping a point. Um, but the, the, the faster you set that, uh, the more battery consumptive it's going to be. And then if you bump that down to like a 30 minute track mode, you can get actually up to 30 days. But Within that one, um, you know, it's got the trackback routing. It's got digital compass on it. So a compass, even when you're stationary, the battery life's really pretty huge on it. It's got in-reach weather forecast. Um, it does, you know, it's compatible with the Garmin Explorer app. And then I mentioned compatibility. It actually, something I like telling people as well is that Garmin has something called the ecosystem, which is that products work together with one another. And so something that I do often is pair my inReach device to uh, one of my watches, uh, one of the Garmin watches, and you can actually, you know, use the messaging features directly off your watch. But then, should you ever be in the instance where you cannot reach your inReach and you need to trigger an SOS, you can actually trigger it directly off of your watch. Does that work um, with all Garmin watches? Because I have a Garmin watch, but I, mine is more of a fitness-based one than a like an adventure-based one, and I'm not sure if that matters. It actually, I would have to check on the specific one you have. And actually, you can look at the compatible products on the product page there. Okay. And it will show you on that side. Um, with that, uh, kind of expanding a little bit further on the minis um, stuff is that now it's compatible with the Garmin Explorer app, which is kind of the all-in-one. So you can do, um, when that's paired into it, you can get really the robust mapping directly off of your phone within that app. You can plan store routes. Um, and kind of customize trips a little bit more. And so it's a really expandable, adaptable unit um, that's got a lot. Of, like I said, I call it the Mighty Mouse unit. Yeah, I, like I'm a big fan of the Mini. And I, I don't tend to use it much for the actual GPS um, functionality, uh, just because, you know, I feel like most most hunters, at least, and uh, probably a lot of fishermen, too, have some sort of, like, mapping app that they use, like Onyx or whatever. Um, and that's, like, quick and easy to use. But I, I have used the Garmin. I use the Garmin location or GPS feature a lot to just send my location to people because that, yeah. you know, I can't do that if I don't have cell phone service on these other apps. So I tend to use the other apps more for actually like viewing where I am, 
planning where I'm going to go, stuff like that. But having the ability to send my location or track my location from the device, um, even if I'm not really like looking at it, it's just like, hey, here's my campsite, like meet me tomorrow or something like that. Um, yeah. That's really easy, kind of like a one one button tap to send your location to whoever you want in your contacts, um, which is really nice. Yeah, that is. I mean, like, and I got to say, you should really check out the maps. And I think with Minios using uh, the EarthMate, the Explorer uses a different one is that uh, starting, I think, with the 66i, it was the the app was the Explorer app. Um, but, you know, Garmin were really, were pretty good at maps. Right. And the other thing, <laughs> you know, and then the other side of it is um, InReach actually was, uh, InReach, it was Delorum, which actually did all the old um, atlases and stuff like that. So their mapping capability. Mm-hmm. So you don't overlook it and really kind of try playing around with that one um, because the mapping is really great. And that's one of the things with the Explorer app they've worked really hard on. Um, so it is, don't, don't undersell it. It isn't like, what is no, it? no, no, I, I didn't mean to undersell it. it out. I just haven't, I haven't, I guess when I, I had, I had a mapping app before I had my inReach, so I'd already had like a, a, an established system. So I kind of had like no reason to switch, but I, I feel like I have used, um, I have used the app for texting. I've seen, like, I've, I've been able to see my location on there and stuff. So, uh, not, not to undersell it, but I just haven't, no, 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 I no, haven't no, used no. it. And the, the fact that the device itself is not super, like the, the mini specifically is not, um, it's not like you're looking at the device yeah. and seeing yourself on the device. It, it would be paired to the phone. Um, but the device itself is not super map heavy. It's, it's more of a communication device that, that could also be communicating with your phone, um, to show 100%. yourself on a map there. Yeah, and so that's the thing with it. Um, people are always like, well, what's the best in-reach device for me? And it's like, I was just like, well, let's sit down and like, let's talk about what you like doing and what you really need. And, and that's what I think all of the different in-reach units, um, they're all so versatile and adaptable um, and they have those core features that, that you need and want. Um, but if it's something you, you can really drill into, like here's really what I like and what I like doing. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to place emphasis a lot more on mapping, uh, for example, um, and other features within that, uh, as opposed to I want a device that weighs 3.5 ounces, um, which is the mini in the mini to mm-hmm. do. So it's really just kind of what it is that you're looking for, how you experience the outdoors and how you um, really relate to them and what in reach device is going to be for you. I should also mention um, that, you know, all, the in-reach devices, the way they work is through a um, subscription plan. Um, so it's kind of like a sell, sell plan in that sense. However, uh, Grum is unique in that it does month to month. Um, so let's say you only fish during you know, the summer months. You can say, well, I'm, I'm going to, you only pay for three months. You can pay for one month if you want. And it starts at, you know, the plans, they're as low as eleven ninety-five a month, uh, depending on how you want to use it. And I always say, it's like, man, like 12 bucks is like the cost of a gas station lunch these days. And so it's like to have that peace of mind of, you know, always knowing that I, I think it's a really great investment. Like how much is your safety worth? Definitely more than $12 a month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mine is. <laughs> I think. So yeah, so that's that. Yeah, we, we really liked that feature. Um, and I'm sure some people, the annual would make more sense for us. We have done the month to month, you know, it the month of like April, for example, like this month, we're not really doing anything uh, super crazy that needs the in reach, but uh, all summer, all fall. And uh, sometimes during the winter, uh, when we go backcountry skiing, we've thought about turning it on too. Um, oh yeah. You should really use it for that one. Um, 
I like I joke. It's like, man, I don't go off my front porch without one of those things. Anymore. Right. Like, I just, you know, and especially the mini. The mini is actually great, um, just to throw in, you know, throw in your car and you know, a glove box if you want to keep it on. Like people you know some people in like the mini too. I know for, it's that you can keep it charged. You know, you charge it and then it, if it can remain charged for up to a year, turned off. Uh, you know, so it's a great thing. Like especially in Colorado winter and stuff like that, as part of a car kit and stuff like that. Like, yeah, and we we had talked about that because I was there were when we first got it. I was like, well, you know, we don't, I, I don't need to take it. I'm not doing like a. I I think the situation that specifically came up was that I was going to drive around and, and just scout out some spots that we might want to hunt. So I was not really like leaving the car. I was just kind of driving around looking for where we could park and stuff. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not I'm not like hiking out in the middle of nowhere. I'm just driving around. But then I was like, well, but I won't have cell phone service. Like, why not take it? If we've already paid for the month, like, why not take it along? So if something does come up, maybe I just get stuck. Maybe I get the truck stuck. Um, that way I could at least text someone and say, hey, I'm stuck. Like, I'm not in an emergency, but I need some help. And if I didn't have cell service or a way to contact somebody, that situation would be really, really annoying. Even if it's not dangerous, it'd just be a real hassle to be stuck out there, uh, need someone to pull me out and not have the ability to tell somebody that. So like, why not just throw it in the car so I have the ability to have cell phone service basically wherever I go? Yeah, and the other thing, we, we kind of touched on it, but the in regard to some people don't want to use, you know, some people get into the outdoors to get away from technology, right. get away from computers and emails. Um, I think InReach is a little bit unique and all of, like I think all of Garmin's outdoor products as well is that you and you mentioned this, but it's like you choose how much you want to engage with that piece of technology. Um, but with InReach, that's in my opinion, it's it's just critical that it's there. You know, the InReach Mini 2, it weighs 3.5 ounces. You clip it onto your pack. You don't ever have to use it if you don't want to, but it's there if you need it. Um, and that's kind of the critical critical side of it. Well, I think it's an important part of that is that you could choose to not use your phone that has like full LTE and full cell phone coverage too. But a lot of things on that device are really designed to keep your attention held to them. Like it's, it's hard to not check your email if you hear a ding come through or it's hard to like not check you know, social media or whatever, because um, they're designed to really suck you in. And the inReach isn't like, it's it's not an engagement platform. It's not like there to be like, hey, we really want to suck up like four hours of your day every time. Like it's, it's got, <laughs> it's got a different purpose. So you could always choose not to use technology, but the difference is that other technology is designed to really, really tempt you to use it. Whereas the inReach is there for, it's like, if you have a problem, I'm happy to, to, to take care of it, but I'm not here to like <laughs> grab your attention all day long. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't like the report. My phone gives me reports of like your weekly screen right. time was up. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. But um, yeah, just um, you asked kind of about some of the other stuff, like when you, or, or some of the other features, but it's like, you know, 66i, it's got flashlight, battery life's going to vary on all of them, um, depending on what you want. Like we talked about weather, um, location sharing, SOS alerts, um, wiki lock trails, so you can kind of see what people like the, you know, hiking, cycling, and other trails that are popular. Um, preloaded topo, topo maps, you can get bird's eye satellite sensor, you know, imagery. It's got full ABC sensors, multi GNSS support. So there's a lot more to it. And it's again, it's that how far do you want to engage with it and what you need. Right. And I think maybe a good place to, to wrap up, since we did spend so much time talking about the non-SOS features, which I do think are the bulk of you know what people are going to use. Most of the time you go out, you're not going to have to press the SOS button. But at the end of the day, um, 
the the really good thing about it that can, can give you peace of mind is that if you if you fall off a cliff and are are like completely incapacitated but can reach this device, you can call for help um, from professionals, yep. not just texting your friends saying I need help. Um, when you when you go to press that button, what happens? What does the device do? Do you have do you have a chance to yeah. say never mind? So, I didn't mean to hit it. And yep. and like what steps are taken after that? Yeah, no problem. So um, when you press when you open up the the kind of the flap on the side of it and you press the SOS. Um, it's going to give you 30 seconds. And during that time, you can, you can cancel it. Um, and then after that point, um, it will send a message to the Garmin International Emergency Response Coordination Center, um, and they will coordinate back with you with a message to see, you know, to say, hey, um, what's going on? And like I mentioned, I think earlier, that's a twofold thing. One, to see if that um, you are fully incapacitated or if you can engage with them and they'll remain in, in contact with you um, because they'll try to figure out, you know, what's going on? What's the emergency? Is this medical? Are you lost? What's going on? Um, because that will help kind of dictate what um, assistance is, is, you know, being coordinated on that side. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, if you don't respond to that message, that will, after the 30 seconds and they, they message you, it will that that motion it's in motion um during any of that time you can cancel it um you can let them know hey we've worked everything out it's all right um but like i said it's just important that if you're in an emergency situation you think you need to hit that button to hit it because you can always cancel it on on the back end of it the second part of that is that and this is all kind of happening simultaneously and it's at 24 7 um is that they are going to get in contact um, with whatever local authority w would be appropriate for that area to, to offer assistance. Um, that can be, you know, local sheriffs, search and rescue, what have you, um, throughout, throughout the world. Um, and then the third part of that is that when you set up your inReach, you're setting it up for you. Um, and so you can say, I want to, you know, here are my emergency contacts. And they will send another message to the emergency contact saying, hey, an SOS has been triggered for this individual, your emergency contact. Um, and th the purpose of that is to let your emergency contacts know, but then also um, if they can provide any other information or assistance that may help with, you know, the, the, the assistance of that individual um, who's triggered that as well. Um, and within that, those are kind of the three parts that are going to happen through the, the Garmin IARCC. They'll remain in contact with you as, you know, local authorities are going to come to um, your spot. And it also sends the GPS coordinate so that people are aware. And it is, um, you can trigger it actually for somebody else. Uh, so if you're with, you know, a friend and that friend um, has an accident, you can trigger it for that individual. Okay, that's good to know. I was going to ask that. And, you know, is it is a subscription for you or is it for anybody? <laughs> Yeah, so in, in that situation, it would be for the person who needs assistance. So if you triggered it for your friend, it would not, it, the, the cost of that would be um, not for you. Okay. Um, that would be for your friend. Good to know. Um, and something I yeah. wanted to clarify based on what you said, uh, you've got, when you press the button, you've got 30 seconds to cancel it. And so if you cancel in that time, I assume that like no signal even gets sent out. Like no one ever hears from you. But then you still have the chance to cancel it. Once you've gotten it started, like say you press it, you've been in contact with them for half an hour, but then you get your situation resolved. You can still cancel at that point. It's just kind of a different different kind of canceling because they've heard from you and you're telling them you're okay versus saying like, oops, I didn't mean to press the button. Like don't even send, 
for help. Yeah, when with it, since you're communicating with the IRCC and they're communicating with, um, you know, it's like you can say, hey, we've resolved the issue okay. on that side. And they will put the stop to that. Good to know. So, and you said this yeah. is international, right? Like you can do this, you know, if I, if I go up to Canada, I can, I can still press the button and get help? Yep. Um, with it, it's always kind of, um, there are some countries that um, the Iridium satellite service um, is controlled. You know what I mean? There are certain restrictions within certain countries. So we always say wherever you're going, please just make sure that, that uh, Iridium is okay to use within that country. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you're going, going up to Canada on that side, um, absolutely. Actually, love to go to Canada this summer. So maybe I'll, <laughs> but, I'll let you know. But hopefully not press OSS or press yeah. SOS while you're there. One hundred percent on that side. Uh, cool. Well, um, I think that's a pretty good overview. Is there anything else that you think is worth mentioning, um, or any any final thoughts about just satellite devices in general? Um, anything like that, or anything that you think we should have covered regarding uh, specifically Garmin devices? No, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, one of the things that I just tell all the listeners is, you know. Um, really check it out. Um, you know, check it out because it is something that, you know, as a lifelong outdoors person, it's something that it's a critical piece of gear for me now. Um, like I said, I, I don't really go anywhere without it. And once you start using inReach, uh, you kind of never want to stop using it. You find so much value in it. And so I'd say check it out at Garmin.com. Um, you can go and we've got all of them listed there with all the features and everything like that. And I'm so sorry if you can hear my voice. <laughs> I can, but that's upstairs. okay. <laughs> I'm just lucky no one showed up to my door, uh, or mine would probably be going off too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's 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 what I know exactly which pup that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, maybe that's a good time to wrap up. I think uh, he or she is saying it's it's time for you to go back upstairs. So, um, I really thank you so much for coming on and talking. Uh, it was it was great to get a fellow uh, fly fisherman to come talk about this because, like I said, sometimes for the the product stuff, I just get you know someone who's never actually spent time in the outdoors so it's nice to talk to somebody who has firsthand experience and and then also like the technical know-how it's a, it's really nice to have both well i sincerely appreciate it and i um, really enjoy the conversation so anytime you'd be happy to talk about fishing or, or other garment products yeah maybe, okay? maybe i'll reach out to you in the future just to talk fishing we'll see <laughs> sounds good <laughs> all right thank you so much rayhan thank you all right guys thanks for listening uh, don't forget to head over to the website, fishuntamed.com, for all episodes and show notes. And also, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. That'll get my episodes delivered straight to your phone. And also, if you have not yet, please consider going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating or review. That's very helpful for me, and I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, other than that, thank you guys again for listening, and I will be back in two weeks. Bye, everybody.